game. <laughs> Don't do it. I swear. I'm not thinking it's funny. I'm not thinking it's funny. This is Sasha Chambers, and this is Eating After Midnight, a podcast where me and my best friend, Amy, reheat movies from our childhoods to see if the leftovers have retained their flavor or leave a bad taste in our mouths. It's also about how these movies influenced, inspired, and shaped us, whether the ideas they cooked up, fed and nourished our bodies and minds, or just rotted our teeth and clogged our mental arteries. Amy and I are not film scholars, but we do have a genuine love of movies, as well as a beautiful friendship that spans 25 years. Happy Halloween, Sasha. Happy Halloween, Amy. We're doing our Halloween podcast, and you got me to watch semi-scary movies, so there's that. I did. We watched Fright Night. Oh, how we watched Fright Night. I'm so excited. Yes. I love this movie. And like I said before, Sasha, I think this podcast will be all about me convincing you that it is actually a classic, amazing movie. There's no, there's no argument here. I can see instantly why it's a classic. It's camptastic. It's got a whole lot of things going for it, including 46 too many minutes. That's, that's my only, that's my only beef is that it's far too long for what it is. Still absolutely loved watching it. I've seen this movie before multiple times, but Sasha has never seen this movie before. No, because this came out in, this is 85, right? 1985. Yeah, there's no way that my seven-year-old ass was watching this. Look, the thriller video haunted my dreams. Like, as soon as it went to... I wasn't, like, actually able to really watch even the thriller video until I was in double digits in age. Like, that's how squeamish and sensitive I am. Thriller gets to me, too. Or got to me when I was young, too. I thought it was Fucking terrifying. I thought it was Um, terrifying. No, but remember... It's actually scarier than this movie, to be quite frank. The thriller video... Well, I told you, I told you, you know, we'll get into the soup soon enough, but I had some genuine chills, like the first long shot before you actually get into the house, as much as like you're listening to this terrible, you know, the the um, foley of the kissing sounds. Yeah. (laughs) Genius. But like, just the, just like through the darkness and the slow camera and then, you know, fright night and the cord with the things that come out, <laughs> like it, it is the kind of, you know, the, you know, frightening people isn't um, rock and science. There are like certain things, like certain chords that will make you spooked and, and you know, certain <sighs> kind of things. And this movie play has those certain kinds of things. There was a couple moments when he, like when he shows up in the bedroom behind him, I was like, hey, like I, I had a couple like hey moments yeah. for sure. I he, just don't, not, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah, not ah. Because I, I don't get it. I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with the heat, not the hat, and certainly not the ooh. Like, uh, even all of the trailers beforehand, I was like, why the 
fuck do people do this to themselves? All of the trailers before it played, every single one was the twisted, contorted face of terror of some woman in some terrible potential situation. I like horror films and I like all horror films. So give me a psychological ghost story that's just super freaky and gives me nightmares. I'll take it. Or give ah, me the slasher. Um, why? I'll, I'll take it. And then for this, campy, campy camp with special effects that are amazing and gory. I'll take it. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to get into my psychological profile. I'm just going <laughs> to say that I inherited it from my mother. So I did watch this when I was younger. I don't think I watched it when I was seven. You know, I don't think I watched it. I hope at not. That age. I, I don't remember, but I also, you know, like a lot because of Because if you, if, you, if you did and you were okay, then I would like really wonder. So I know that I didn't watch it when I was six and seven, you know, like 1985. So I'm not sure when I watched it, but my mother who tape recorded everything and we had, you know, just hundreds, oh, yeah. if not yeah. thousands of taper, you know, tapes. She watched horror films all the time. So I must've watched it later on. Um, but again, it's like with a lot of these movies, I've just always known this film. It's always been part of kind of my, my cinematic history. Wow. Of, um, things. And, and, and mind you, I never thought it was super scary. I always knew it was campy. I knew it was a camp fest. Okay. But anyway, Friday so, night. Friday shall we, night. Shall we read what IMDb says? Please, please, let's get into it. All right. A teenager discovers that the newcomer in his neighborhood is a vampire. So he turns to an actor in a television horror show for help dealing with the undead. That's really convoluted. It's like a bit lackluster. That movie is about. No, that is a lackluster description. There's a whole lot more going on. And, they give, away, and they give away that Peter Vincent's an actor and not a real vampire hunter, which is pretty disappointing. Oh. Well, let's get into the soup. We'll start talking about who's in it. But really, there's only two notable people that I can think of. And the first one, of course, is Chris Sarandon, who plays Jerry Dandridge, Jerry Dandridge um, the vampire. And Marcy Darcy, who plays uh, Amy's <laughs> character. Marcy Darcy from Married Marcy and Children. And, yeah. and mind you, see, that's the other thing. So I must have seen it much older because I've always known she was Marcy Darcy. Um, and then everyone else, uh, oh, actually, Roddy McDowell plays yeah. Peter Vincent. And, and then William Ragsdale is Charlie Brewster. So... The first scene's got a lot to unpack, but I think what's, what's going to be, what's interesting about this movie is that the plot points are super obvious. Obvious, which is a new word. Obvious. <laughs> no, I think, that's the, I think that's the appropriate term for this movie. Obvious. Yes. <laughs> the script really kind of, you know, here's a plot point. Here's a plot point. They feed it to you with a spoon. Look, here's the thing, though. This is what drove me crazy, and this is in one of my notes. So the whole first half of this movie is spent where the only stakes are him trying to convince anyone else that Jerry Dandridge is a vampire. There, no real stakes, no real, like, terms are set down that we, like, understand, like, this is what we're actually working towards until, I would say, the last 15 minutes 
when they're like, we have until dawn, right? Like, yes. He's, he's trying to save his life because the vampire is coming for him. So he's not just trying to to convince people. He's also trying. Except for he has so much advanced notice. I know. Of course he has advanced notice. I'm going to come get you. (laughs) There's a couple things, Sasha. First, there's missing women. So he's trying to convince people because there's women that have been murdered. And he's, you know, seen bodies been taken out and he sees the the vampire bite. And then when Jerry catches him, watching him, then it's about his own life. So he's trying to convince everyone to save himself. This movie is like rear window with vampires. The first scene... Uh, I, I, like I said, I love that Amy and Charlie are on the floor next to the bed because you can't be making out in your bed because then your parents would hear you. I don't know mm-hmm. if you ever did this, but it was definitely something that I did. don't want to hear the bed creaking and she stops him so he could like watch tv uh well well, she's it's going too far it's going too yeah it's going too far and too fast so she's a she's bringing his attention to the fact that peter vincent the host of fright night is on and so she's hoping that that will distract him from wanting to like Ah, put his hands in all kinds of places which is our first very upsetting problematic moment of this where basically our hero and i'm disgusted by him but like it takes me so long to forget that he is basically brett kavanaugh like he just fucking gets all over her and she's like stop stop i'm not into this this is too much and he responds with we've been going together for what like a year and a half or something and all i ever hear is charlie stop it yeah okay dude okay and then poor thing feels all shamed like she's gonna lose her relationship and then finally decides to cave in give in she climbs on the bed takes her shirt off and it's all like fucking what was her name like yeah coco from fucking fame like it's like she's in front of the camera and she's so like oh god she just violated herself and she's just waiting for more she's like okay let's do it let's make Love, and then he's so distracted by vampires, potential potential vampires, or a body or a coffin being transported into the the now rented home next door. That then she turns from feeling totally like she's about to open herself to violation to feeling rejected, and she's enraged and she's yelling about like, "Did you want to make love or not?" at the top of her lungs while his mom's is watching TV. Like, because that's what you do when you're, how old are they? Are they supposed to be like 15 or 16? How old do you well, think? Well, okay, is? as you said, Marcy Darcy is already, you know, Marcy Darcy from Married with Children. Yeah. And he looks like a seventh grade English teacher. <laughs> uh, so I think they're supposed to be 16, 17. But the mom, you know, who is one of my favorite characters, she's this clueless divorcee. So she probably didn't hear them because she's had too many vodka tonics and a valley already. Word, so point. she's, she's just like sitting in her bathrobe watching TV, you know, um, dreaming about meeting a, a, an interesting man. Like she's... Yeah, mom is, mom is single and ready to mingle. She is, <laughs> she is ready to go. And she just talks like this and everything she says. And she's like, she's like <laughs> are true. you two having a quarrel? Da, 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 da. Well, that's okay. All couples do. And, and she says something about the divorce rates. Like she's so clueless, but also so fun. So then we cut to school where we meet evil ed ew 
See, I don't, I can't believe that you don't like him because, and I guess you, of course you don't because he is so annoying. Well, yeah, I mean, that kind of, that, that kind of character, right, is fixed in time in the 80s. So like having to, to be exposed to him now, like fresh, he's just, he's just obnoxious. Like if I had seen that in the 80s, he would be on, on point and on brand for what like weird geek guy is. Like I said, like at some point he just reminds me of like a split between Booger and Doc from <laughs> Back to the Future, right? But he's so fucking weird and he's so obnoxious and he's, why does he talk that way? Why does he contort his hands and face in such weird ways? And he's mean. And he's mean. And like, it starts off with him saying like, she busts through the two of them. She's still really pissed Amy, about Amy what happened the night yeah. before. Yeah, Amy. They're standing in, right? They're standing in like the outdoor like hallways of, of their high school. And like, he, she busts through him and, and he says to him, does she finally find out what you're really like? Like, <laughs> he goes through six different versions, modulations of his voice. And it's like, why did that, why did that have to happen? And he's so, like, oh, he's so I have, You know what? So I have lots of love for him. And I actually like him more now than I ever have. Overall, the actor just but, made really strange-ass choices. Strange-ass like, choices. And he's really but, creepy and weird. Watching it now... I think he's on the spectrum. He's clearly not- The actor or the character? The character. Later on, he goes to his house, right? He doesn't live in a nice house. Like, Charlie's house is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, when you go to Evil's house, it's like the wrong side of the tracks. You start getting a picture of him. He's like, he's a weirdo, possibly on the spectrum. His best friend, hates him like it's the worst friendship in the whole universe of like movies like they don't ever actually say a so nice strange. thing to each other even though evil comes over to like, help him out like ultimately they never say one nice thing to each other and he's a kid that gets picked on he's a kid that gets made fun of he mentions even you know uh people beat up i don't think he's it's just as simple as he's annoying i think there's there's something off with him Oh, yeah. There's definitely something off with him because the next thing we see him do is after they've moved from the hallway to the cafeteria is they see on the news because all high school cafeterias are always... No, no, they're at the mall piping or in the something. News. Is that the mall? No, yeah, that's the yeah. cafeteria. No, 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 because first they... So what happens is at school, we meet Evil Ed and this scene is super short. And yeah. then... Charlie goes home and he sees the prostitute who's dressed all in blue with gold accents. And then at night he's studying his trig and he hears a woman scream. The next scene after that, they're at the mall. Oh, you're so right. Okay, because I don't know this movie as well. Amy, as you. Yes. Amy's okay. ass comes down to talk to him at the mall. It could be the cafeteria. See, I just went to mall because it's the 80s. But yeah, you, no, I'm pretty I sure it's the high, right, school the high school cafeteria. Because either way, whether it's the high school cafeteria or the mall, what food court is piping in the news? <laughs> well, the first thing that happens, though, is Amy goes up to Charlie and apologizes. Mm -hmm. mm. It's That's my fault, not yours, that you were pressuring me into sex and then yeah. got distracted. So first you pressure me. Pardon, yeah, and pardon me and my boundaries. Me. And yeah. it's my fault. I'm so sorry. Oh, Amy, it's not your fault. This is where you've got to make your point about how 
Amy is more interesting. She's more dynamic than yeah. possibly any of the women in the films that we've watched thus far. Yeah. Yeah. This is the first one where I wasn't screaming in my mind. This was clearly written by a man because she, she goes through what seems to be, albeit, you know, some, some sad thought processes that go through a lot of young girls' minds. She's actually going through the genuine thought processes, sad as they are, that go through actual young girls' minds. Oh, girls yeah. Who, I mean, it's, like, it's very authentic. She shouldn't yeah. be thinking that, but that would have been exactly right. It's, it's problematic it thinking, but it's, but it's actually representative of what is really happening for a young teenage girl. So that's really refreshing. It's really refreshing, and it's really refreshing to see her go through it, but also have um, enough, enough sense of self to, one, storm out of the house, and two, after he once again basically ignores her, grabs, this is why I think they're in the high school cafeteria, because the, the person next to them is also young, and she just grabs this disgusting burger, chili burger, off of his plate, turns him around, and smashes it in his face, which is which is awesome. Our chili but, burger is a big thing in the 80s. I feel like I have Sloppy Joe's. I bet you sloppy burger. Joe's. Sloppy uh, Joe's. Okay. I just feel like burgers. I haven't had a chili burger since 1989. You know what I mean? When you know better, you do better. We don't I, eat that. I feel chili. like that's the truth. Even though, remember, Tommy's Burger. I was just going to say, I was yeah. just going to say, we've eaten plenty of Tommy's Burgers, but will we go there today? No. I would have a bite of somebody's, though. I'll be totally honest. Mm -mm. I the last time, I, the last time I fucked with a Tommy's burger, I paid that price for like two weeks. I think I um, remember that. Oh my god! Anyway, that and Zanku chicken, dude. Do you remember Zanku chicken? Did you fuck yes. hard with Zanku chicken? Oh my god, this shit was so fucking tasty. And then when I came back, when I moved back from Canada, all I wanted was a Zanku chicken, and I went and got that wrap, and I got that garlic sauce, and girl, I spread it on there. And I had been so far away from the Zanku for so long that when I ate that garlic sauce, no shit, I started to sweat and hallucinate, and I passed the fuck out. Well, I still love Zanku chicken, and we can't talk about this right now, but you know about <laughs> the Zanku chicken murders. No, but it's Halloween. Tell me about the Zanku oh, chicken Oh, God. How can I summarize this? There's murders within the family of the Zanku chicken, and it was horrific, and the reasons behind the murders are horrific. If you want a scary story, and you're in Los Angeles, and you don't know the Zanku chicken murders, Read that for Halloween after you, of course, listen to this podcast. But, oh my um, God. Yeah, I'm yeah, pulling yeah. it up right now. I had no idea. Whoa, murder suicide of three members of the family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, and it's, it's a horrible, horrible story. Creeptastic. So. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, so back to Creeptastic, anyway. right? So, he's ignored her because the, the news is being piped into this cafeteria food court area where he is finding out that there's been another murder um, and he sees that it's, and this pisses me off too. So he sees the face of the woman that he saw go into the house next door and it says, she was a known prostitute, a known prostitute. Like, would she have a billboard? Everybody knew, like this, you know what I mean? Like, it's a little bit much. And then here comes evil Ed who's like, yeah, you know what I heard on the police radio? It wasn't even the first murder and they were both losing. They had no heads. <laughs> like, yeah, creep. What? There's nothing endearing about, I don't understand why you like him. There's nothing endearing I, about Because it's not, so because, because you know what it is? Because I'm a horror film fan. Like he's a horror film fan too. And as like, much- you Like you creepy, like where you're laughing at decapitated he's, women. He's, it's, he's not, it's an awkward laugh. He's not, 
he's not laughing like isn't that hilarious he's laughing like uncomfortably and but his friend responds with you're sick i know but it's but the thing is is people think i'm sick like when i'm like (laughs) oh my god you know i'll tell you somebody about jeffrey Dahmer, and i'll get really excited about the terrible things he did of course i don't do this anymore because now i have a child and now every my head's become very frightened of the whole world but when i would hear about what serial killers did I you know I listened to those podcasts and I'd read things and I'd watch documentaries on them and it was it it is something that is utterly fascinating and utterly uncomfortable even if you're fascinated so I do understand him kind of going like oh my god and and then you know what they they heard they they don't even have any heads whoever's killing people is chopping off their heads that's his thing because him just like Charlie, they watch Peter Vincent, they like horror films. You know what I mean? That's part yeah. of his thing. I think we might have things slightly out of order, but it doesn't matter. My also, also my thought was when he was doing homework and hears the woman scream, you hear someone scream like that, you call the fucking police. Definitely think that. But I remember in New York City, I would hear people screaming all the time. I would just be like, where could it be coming from? If you called the cops in New York City. Well, I mean, in New York City, but he it's clearly coming from next door. It's clearly coming from next door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did hear somebody screaming once here where I live, like crying for help. So I called the police and was like, fuck yeah. We need to call someone. I think somebody, you know, was following her home from the club. Yeah. Oh, God. Creepy. It was really creepy. That is spooky. See, this is what I'm saying. Life delivers enough spooky. Why (laughs) you want to watch it in a movie? I don't understand. I know. Speaking of watching, speaking of watching, right? So he, um, oh no, prior to the watching, prior to being a fucking super uber peeping Tom creep, he decides like, obviously something spooky is going on next door. He saw this woman go into the house. He saw them carrying a coffin in there. So he decides that he is going to try to bust up into the space, into the underground basement. Yeah, he starts snooping around. Right, where he meets someone that we are supposed to believe is Jerry Dandridge's well-intending roommate by the name carpenter Carpenter, right his his full-time indoor carpenter by the name of billy cole billy cole is the name of a smooth chocolate brother that plays the upright bass and travels across europe okay that's who billy cole is this dude's name is clearly john or harden nightcock and he is a gay porn star that lives with jerry dandridge according to the director in the production notes he, it is definitely a homoerotic relationship. And uh, the actors were not aware of this. I don't According understand how the they were not aware. How were they not aware? You know, oh. I don't, I, I, the, the truth is there's only one scene that really has it on the nose. Anyway. And he tries, he tries to break into this storm cellar in broad ass fucking daylight. And then that's when Billy Cole or John Nightcock, as I'm calling him, comes around the fucking corner and is like, hey kid what you doing, kid? And she has this creepy, glazed over look and shoes him away by scaring the shit out of him. Is like, just make sure it stays that way, kid. Go away, kid. He is spooky. So creepy. Like he's, he's very eerie looking. He's and very, very eerie looking. It was really good casting. And then that night, they basically he falls asleep while reading porn and watching horror films. <laughs> like, well, and what's, what's also hilarious is like, there's the porn magazine on the floor and oppo- as opposed to, they couldn't go 
too on the nose so as opposed to like wadded up Kleenex, it's candy wrappers. But like they're still trying to keep it PG. You know what I mean? It's like, no, we, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't jizz into a blow pop wrapper. That's not what happened. Okay. That's, that's definitely not what happened. So there he is sitting there with his binoculars and this little peeping Tom gets more than he bargains for when he sees it. Jared Dandridge, his hot next door neighbor, start to get it on with this, you know, all super cute by 80 standards chick. We get to see some booby. And then we get to see Jerry Dandridge's lovely lady fingers wrapped oh around God. her shoulder. Why are they nine inches long? How does anyone not notice that shit? There's like, he's got talons. Because he's a vampire. That's the whole but, thing. Yeah, I know. But like, how are you walking through the world with these fingers and no one like immediately is like, yo, bro, why you got go-go gadget fingers? Girl, I feel like you don't pay attention. Later <laughs> on, <laughs> later on, when he comes to his house, the fingers are normal. They oh, they are? Grow- yeah. His fingers are normal. Perfect manicure, but normal. Oh, um, I didn't notice that. I thought they yeah, were like yeah. that like all the no, time. No, not all the time. Only when he vamps out does he Like get I was like, what are people both. just European <laughs> or something? Like this is how they know. Different. No, no, no. The long lady fingers. And I mean, the second you see the long lady fingers, it's ew, just like, what? Ew, so nasty. They're There's so, nothing gross. But, but see, that's the great thing so about gross. this movie. That's the great thing. It's got those those details, like his long lady fingers. Like whenever you see them, it's just oh. like, Ooh, it just makes you so uncomfortable. Oh, so what I love is that they almost look like they've got like a French manicure. Like they're, they're so lovely and long. Yeah. They're very well cared for. really get it playing piano. Everything everything about Chris Sarandon is well cared for. He's very pretty. And when he looks up, every time he looks up in any way at the camera, it just looks like he's wearing way too much cherry chapstick. (laughs) So this time, though, this time he he sees that he's got fangs. Uh But this time around, they're just two little tiny Yeah. Two little tiny ones. Which is enough, right? It's totally enough. <laughs> Clearly a vampire. Clearly an undead fucker. He's got long ass, sharp ass teeth and lady fingers. Dude's <laughs> clearly not European. He's a vampire. So he's watching them. And then the Jerry's just about to bite his lady friend when his eyes turn up and he sees that Charlie is watching him. This whole scene of him seeing him, seeing him, seeing me, seeing it's you. Good seeing her, seeing me, seeing her, seeing you. Like all of that happens over like three minutes. It didn't need to happen over three minutes. Like it could have happened over 30 seconds. Well, no, you know why it had to, Sash? Because we got Jerry's amazing soundtrack. So whenever Jerry Dandridge shows up. Jerry's theme is the best. Jerry's theme is awesome. It's everything the 80s promised and more. It you is. I mean? It's it everything. Is. I mean, other he is. Cars. Jerry Dandridge is kind of the perfect 80s vampire. Instead of a cape, he's got a light gray leather trench coat that he wears with, with a with red padded stock. shoulders and dolman uh, sleeves and all this uh, darting and finery and all, all this detail. Uh, it's the greatest. It's the greatest. 80s leather jacket I think ever it's It's gorgeous it's gorgeous and he looks perfect like he in you know with his um with his kind of soft curl mane and you know he's like he's a less flamboyant prince taller (laughs) less flamboyant prince he runs outside and he sees them 
carrying a trash bag because in the time that it takes him to run downstairs, they've basically kill her, drain her of all her blood, get her into a, a, a hefty bag and get her outside. Like all of that happens within four seconds. And now here, here, here's a major plot discrepancy for me. Here's a real like head scratcher. So he's biting these women. He's killing these women. They get in a hefty bag tossed in the fucking Jeep and away they go. Right now, later, all it takes is for him to bite evil and it just takes him to bite Amy and they become vampires. But these chicks in the hefty bags, no. No, because there's a difference between draining a vampire and turning a vampire, and that's vampire lore. So sometimes you just kill your victims so you can drink their blood, and other times you turn, you bite them to turn them. Yeah, but there's no distinction. They don't like actually do anything in either of those circumstances with Ed or Amy that make it look like they this just is don't drain him. Turn. They just don't drain him. Oh. Yeah. Is that all it is? Yeah. That's I mean, all it is. That's the thing. Every vampire, and we, we did talk I'm about I'm just looking for, I'm just looking for more. I guess I'm just looking for more. I'm looking, for, looking for, for problems. Greater depth. Problems. Because, and also looking for greater depth. Charlie, the genius, is hiding. In the bushes. In, in the bushes. In the bushes. In a shrub. Not even a dense shrub. It's like the brambles of a rose bush or something. Like, you could clearly see straight through it. They're dumping the body in the fucking Jeep. Charlie, uh, uh, homeboy, um, Jerry flies in, flies in like a bat. Right. He flies in like a bat in his gorgeous trench coat and is eating an apple because he's always eating an apple, apparently, because you found out that this dude's so committed to his method acting. What do bats love? fruit so every time we see him we have to see him eat an apple it's so silly it's so it's silly. silly it's so silly and i mean it works because it's silly as as long as chris sarandon was doing it tongue-in-cheek i'm all about it but if i don't some, like so. the hog and shit that he was like i am a bat so i want <laughs> fruit then yeah then we no, he was doing real i'm sure if we went back and rewatched it knowing that now that we were gonna we're gonna see a bunch of like for real animal work. Like we'll see him like dart his eyes around or like some sound will happen behind him and he'll like twitch or something. Mom outs him by just going outside and being like, Charlie, where are you? And then he he runs back into right. the house anyway. Right. And right. Then, which is yeah. where and she then, tries to make him microwave cocoa, which is always nasty. Micro- which is always nasty. The chapter we're in now is where basically Charlie is just trying to convince everyone. Everyone for the next everyone. hour. <laughs> for the next fucking hour, he tries to convince everyone that Jerry Dandridge is a vampire, starting yeah. with the police. Somehow, this little white boy manages to get your stock black cop to agree to get in his car and drive to a random dude's house because he's like, yeah, I saw this lady in there. The lady that got murdered, I saw him there. He gets in the car and drives right over to Jerry Dandridge's house, walks up in there and starts asking Billy Cole or John Nightcock questions about like where, you know, have you seen this woman? And he's like, this is, you know, and he's trying to throw him off the scent because obviously we don't want to wake old Jair Bear up in the middle of the day because he'll go up like a fucking Pop-Tart. And why are there so many clocks? I understand like he's needs to be on a, t- on a tight schedule, oh but God. clocks, clocks, so many clocks. Vampires generally always have good taste, but the fucking clocks, <laughs> oh my God, so many clocks. And here we have um, Charlie just being so belligerent and like up his own ass certain that he can like just convince this cop that the guy is 
not only killed this chick, but a vampire. Like, he can just exactly. start spewing this shit, and it's not going to sound completely insane. I love this moment, because the second he starts talking vampire, he goes from professional cop to a black man who don't got your time. He don't got your time. Like, he pulls him outside, and he just is like, if you ever call me about a vampire... I'll put you in jail forever. I'll put you in jail forever, <laughs> is what he says. Yeah, so the, so the cop is like, no, you're clearly crazy. Don't talk to me and drag me out over vampires. I'll, I'll, I'll put you in jail forever. Right? So then who does he have to run to but evil? He needs to go to evil to get some kind of help. Even though he's the one that watches Fright Night and all the vampire movies every single night, he has no clue what the fuck to do. If a vampire was coming after you, like even you know the basics. The basics. Like everyone knows the basics. Your sunlight, a steak to the heart, garlic, holy water. Like what the fuck? Did, like, These are did basics. He has no clue, but he has to run to evil for help. And when he gets to evil, this is where evil seems the most half booger, half doc. And I'm wondering, I'm like, does this kid sniff glue? Like what is with him? He's so extra super weird. He's extra super. Yeah. Extra super weird. It doesn't make, none of his choices make sense. None of his, his line deliveries make sense at all. You know all. what though? He does have the lines and his delivery of the lines are the ones that have become iconic when it comes to this film like we forgot to say it earlier but when when you know the hamburger goes in his face uh-huh. uh, he says oh you're so cool brewster like, you know it's funny it's like i've heard that line referred to so many times in my life but had yeah. no clue what it was what people were talking about no exactly like so as much as he he made some weird ass choices and you might think he's really obnoxious He's the thing that people remember from this movie more so than anything else. Well, that's because Him he made weird the... choices and he's super obnoxious. That's why he's the most memorable part. Because <laughs> it's also like, what because the fuck it's was funny. happening there? Also because it's funny. He's funny. I don't know. When he says, like, you're too cool, Brewster, that line's hilarious. And later, when he's a vampire and, like, he's, like, dresses up in that red wig pretending oh my to be his mom. And he's like, but she left a note. And he's like, which is, oh my God. Dinner <laughs> is in the oven. You know what's super weird about that is like he puts that red wig on and like Peter Vincent comes in and I'm like, did you actually think that Charlie's mother is Raggedy Ann? Like what the hell? Like how, like it's all so strange. So oh, we're jumping ahead. So the one piece of information that Evil Ed does impart to Charlie that gives him any solace at all is that a vampire cannot come into your home and harm you unless they are invited in by the rightful owner. Ah, <sighs> sigh of relief breathes Charlie and he goes home and starts nailing his window shut when he is beckoned downstairs by his mother because there's someone she'd like for him to meet. He comes downstairs and lo and behold, his mother, the rightful owner of the home is serving Bloody Mary's to their next door neighbor, Jerry, and we get to hear the And you see his hand, yeah. he puts his hand on the on the chair. Yeah. He doesn't have long fingers, but he has the he has a really pretty ring. Oh yeah, he's Billy Cole locked it down. He put he put <laughs> a fucking ring on it. So Jerry comes back. Okay. Charlie manages despite this threat made to his life he thinks that these nail these nails in his window are going to protect him um he's got the cross 
He's he's collected a cross from from evil, and he's in his room and he manages to go to sleep. And he wakes up and he hears some like creaky noises and he goes creeping around the house trying to figure out what it is and okay he gets all the way downstairs and it's just a fucking on the window but we know we know that jer bear has come in through mom's window gone through her room closed the door hard enough to jam it she doesn't wake up but valium and bloody mary are a hell of a mix and waits for Charlie in his room. And this is, I did, I when like, when he like appears yeah. behind him, I was like, oh shit. And he does not, he's not there to chat. Like he for real grabs Charlie by his throat, has him, uh, and like he's fucking throttling the shit. Oh yeah, yeah, this is him. a great scene. This is a great scene, he's, he's, he's gonna kill him. Um, but actually, no, he's not gonna kill him. He just wants him to forget what he's seen. Why? Become very because important just, later. But like, what is like? I don't. I'm gonna give you something I don't have, a choice. But why? But why? Right. Homeboy decides to fight back. Yeah. And he grabs a pencil, and he sticks it through Jerry's hand, and which is over his throat. So which which I didn't understand how he managed <laughs> to get the pencil through the hand all the way through, but not his own throat. Good point, Sash. Good point. What Thanks. I thought was great is now campy campy camp camp when jerry you know recoils he actually spins in circles away yes like a ballerina yes. or like a tasmanian devil yeah he's like Rah! and and this is where chris sarandon definitely gets kind of like overacting awards which oh are my God. because his choices are in some ways just as crazy as evils like like oh like he does a lot of us yeah like oh god yeah oh god when a lot of later later when he when they do get the faith and they're able to hold a cross yeah. up and yeah, I mean, we're doing too well. Oh, you actually God. sound like you're doing it much better than what he does. Like he, <laughs> he does like the weirdest the, the strangest sounds when he's recoiling back. It's just, it's, it's a, so the pencil in the hand. Yeah. I feel like this movie got hand. pitched to Chris Sarandon very differently than everyone else. Like they told everyone else we're doing camp and they told Chris Sarandon like this, this is for Ken's. We're taking <laughs> this, this to Ken's. <laughs> because and then, he and is he acting his ass off in a like a campy a campy horror film and he is like just really trying to like give it all 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 of him and this which also really hilarious to me is like he's got him by the throat he's tossing him around the room like a fucking rag doll a pencil through the hand is what triggers him to go into vamp face and now we can talk about vamp face so we know he's a vampire We've already seen his sharp ass teeth. We've already seen his lovely lady fingers. For some reason, choices were made. The choices were made. <laughs> it's very true. I mean, here's the thing. This wouldn't be a problem. Um, this is vampire face, right? And it's fucked up looking. It's, it's really he's ugly. He's suddenly right? got a fucking, he's got, he looks like Fizzgig on bath salts. He's got like five rows of teeth and like his head is like a flip top. It's like huge, enormous. It's crazy. Yeah, he, he's unrecognizable and he's, he's, a, he's a total monster. And now he's, he's all purple. 
what the yeah, fuck? Yeah, because because yeah. before before he was just still handsome, just with little teeth, and then of course now he's monstrous. Now, to be fair, this wouldn't be a problem. Like we, you know, it's the same thing. And in, in in Lost Boys, you know, they had vampire face and they became demonic once they had vampire face. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, same thing. So so changing your face dramatically when you become a vampire is it happens often. The problem is is that there's a lack of consistency throughout the film because his vampire face and evil's vampire face and later Amy's vampire face. And in fact, Amy's vampire face has like six different faces. Like oh, she, yeah. she vamps out. Well, all like of them do. All of them faces. have like six iterations of vampire face. It's like they switched makeup artists over and over and over again. And everyone was like, that last guy was a hack. Let me fucking show <laughs> you three more teeth. All right. Or something they just didn't they didn't like take a picture and refer back like something oh my God. happened yeah so he stabs him so he stabs him with the, with the pencil that just pisses him right the fuck off I'm so offended and he like pulls the pencil out and like clenches his fist in front of him shows him the hole and is like and then his mom wakes up even though the mom is locked in the room he's like i've got to get out of here and he like yeah flies out the window flies out the window to nurse his wound which is when then his mother again is like you had a bad dream i had a bad dream let's talk about our bad dreams she drops subtly that she's she's now going to be working on the night shift yes and do you want a valium do you want a valium kid you want a valium to go back to bed 1980s moms we love you yeah mother mother, mother's little helper i'll help you out yeah so at which point jer bear um does the thing which is what led most deaf to believe that 9-11 was an inside job he basically calls first to be like, hey, fool, I'm gonna fuck you up <laughs> tomorrow. Okay? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, like, you're a like the night is young. Right? The night is young. Like, yeah, dude, like, aren't they supposed to, like, self-heal immediately? He's sitting there, like, with his hand dripping over a bowl. Like, he's, like, really been injured. You're a fucking 400-some-odd-year-old vampire, and you're tripping on a little hole in your hand. You could basically fly over there right now and eat him, but he doesn't want to eat him. What? He wants to give him a choice. Now he doesn't want to give him a choice. Like, Jerry needs therapy. So, okay, so... I'm gonna fuck you up tomorrow, kid. And he's like, well, shit, you gonna fuck me up tomorrow. I gotta do something today. So he goes over to the studio and tries to recruit Roddy McDowell, Peter Vincent, vampire hunter, who's just been canned from his job because apparently no one really wants to, to watch these vampire movies anymore. They just want to see slasher films. And as he is hurriedly making his way over to his car, there is Charlie to beg him for help because he's the vampire hunter, right? And he actually has a vampire living next door. Will you help me kill him? At first he's like, yeah, yeah, because he thinks he's a fan. Of course I believe in vampires you know, and, and do you want my autograph? And then when he starts talking about vampires, he's like, yeah, yeah. Okay. You're crazy. And he's like, but you just said that you believe in vampires. And he sticks his, his stuff in his trunk and he closes it. And he goes, I was lying. (laughs) (laughs) And just the way he says that, that, that one line is just makes my ass laugh. So Charlie realizes he's basically on his own. And he, yeah. he, he goes home and like 
the candles and the fucking garlic and the everything and the crucifixes and everything. He's like tricking out his room. Amy just rolls up on his, on his like super vampire defense lair. And it's like, what's, um, what's going on here? <laughs> and, um, and he starts trying to explain. She's like, well, maybe we can. And all of a sudden he's like, there's no time, Amy. <laughs> like, like Captain Kirk, like it's so, he's so dramatic. He's so dramatic. And I laughed really hard at there's no time, Amy. That was really, really funny to me. Um, at which point she's like, oh, okay, like he's your crackers. You actually think that there's vampires and shit. So let me go and grab your homie evil. And we will go to Peter Vincent ourselves and try to recruit his help at the very least to convince you that vampires don't exist. Right? So this is one of the moments where I think Amy, again, like we said before, she's not your average doe-eyed, annoying yeah. girl. You know, no, she actually like, t- she actually attempts to affect the storyline yeah. and take some action. Yeah, and and I yeah. also love when he says to her, you know, you don't believe me, and she just answers, "I love you, Charlie. I don't. It's yeah. not whether or not I believe you, right. or Whether I don't believe you, it's that I'm going to do whatever I can to to help you, to help you because I yeah. love you. And it's just, you know, I, I, I for all intents and purposes, the line lands perfectly, and that kind of gives this movie a little bit of heart. But I do have to say, like. What is the city where you can just roll up on celebrities? Like we all know where they live. You can just this whole city. This whole city. I I have so many notes about where the fuck is this city? Where the fuck is this city where there's barely ever anyone on the street? Where a cop will just hop into their unmarked car and go to someone's house based on your accusation? Um, yeah. Where Where is this city? I mean, he's a He's a D celebrity, but they're just rolling up on him. Just rolling like, up on him. No props. Absolutely. So yeah, they not only roll up on him on the street, they manage to roll up on his front door, yeah. show up at his house. Yeah. He lets them in because he assumes, of course, they're there because they're fans. Um, and then they reveal that, no, they're not necessarily there because they're fans or need an autograph. There are more important things in the world, Peter Vincent. They need his help to you know, keep Charlie from doing something incredibly stupid. Um, and this is one of those scenes where I'm like, this could have happened or not happened at all for that matter. It goes on for like another five minutes. There's all this sentimentality over the films he used to be in. I'll tell you uh, this. I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I also think that they maybe wanted to give Roddy McDowell some screen time because he's Roddy McDowell. Because he's Roddy McDowell. You know? Right, right. So, but, but, but I mean, but he does have that lovely, like there is the prop set up of the, the mirror. Yes, of like the mirror. And, as well yeah. as the fact that he is a fraud and is very disingenuous and wanting yes. to offer his help to the kids because Amy, um, upon his trying to get rid of them at the suggestion that he has been, you know, Hollywood beckons. I've been, I've been asked to be in a star, a star in a feature film. I have a five hundred dollars savings bond. I'll take it. Well, well, what happens is they decide. But which like, I love. Well, how are we going to do it? Well, we're going to do a vampire test. On right, you. and we're and we're going to get Jerry to, to agree to the test that he's yes. willing to take. That he's willing to take. Well, they, you know, they just want to. They're trying to defuse the situation. And and the least him. weird person to call to ask him, like a fucking the least te- the we the least weird person, the most likely telemarketer like person that you would want to give personal information to would be fucking evil ed they get evil ed on the phone and be like yeah hi so um our friend thinks you're a vampire and kind of wants to kill you so we want to do an anti-vampire test on you how do you feel about crucifixes 
the born again. He anyway, so they show up at his house and they, they, they issue the test. The main thing that happens is, is that A, when he sees Amy, he clocks her. Mm. And then they issue the test by um, giving some holy water, but it's not holy water. It's actually tap water. So yum, yum, down the hatch it goes. Roddy McDowell is all too happy to get out of there. And while he's standing by the steps, for whatever reason, he pulls the mirror out. And this is where he sees that Jerry does not, his reflection does not appear in the mirror. And he's like, oh my stars. And he drops the mirror and it shatters. And he rushes all of the kids out of the door um, so that they can get the fuck out of there because he's no vampire hunter. He is just a scared ass little actor. This is probably the next chapter because everyone knows he's a vampire except Evil and Amy don't believe yet. Right, but there is another weird, oh, another weird choice by by the actor who plays Evil Ed. Like as he's walking away, Charlie's like, where are you going, pencil dick? And he turns around and with both of his hands covers his groin. It's like, ah, I'm just going home. I don't remember that. Because it's fucking weird. Your mind probably wouldn't let you retain it. Like, it was so fucking strange. And he's like, no, asshole. We both walk Amy home right now. And they come upon an alley where Evil Ed's like, let's cut through here. Which in any circumstance ever, whether you thought there was a psycho person following you or not, why would you ever want to go? Why would you ever go through an alley? alley? So Evil Ed makes fun of Charlie and is like, you're chicken shit. I'm not. I'm going down this alley because in case you didn't realize... Fucking vampires don't exist. But he d- he does have a moment of clarity when they're kind of talking back and forth, and he just is like, "Fuck you, man! Like I'm done with this. Like I'm done with you ragging on me, and I'm done with your vampire shit." And he goes right. off into the alley. Right. And as Evil Ed is like, "There's no vampires, you fruitcake from above." We can see he's being watched, so we're like, "Okay." And right now, I am like, "Yes, please." so I never have to hear him speak again. You are I the worst. So I was so cool. pumped. I really thought that at this moment, Evil Ed was going to die and I wasn't going to have to hear his obnoxious ass voice ever fucking again. You're just so mean to Evil and the truth I is- I just can't fucking I, take I it. I know, but you're wrong so bad. he's like the best I know, part. I know, I know. The very, <laughs> the one touching Evil, well, it's not the one actually. Evil is screaming because he has been now, he's now on the run from Jer Bear, who just appeared out of the mist in his fucking smashing leather trench and jaunty scarf. And, and Ed knows what's up. He's like, oh, oh shit, you're a motherfucking vampire. So he starts running and he's actually running. This is actually scary to me. This was scary because the way he's running, he is running with that, those like those jelly legs where like you're terrified and you're gonna fall because your legs are actually made of jelly. He's doing very well, actually. He's doing very well acting terror. Um, he gets cornered by Jer Bear. He falls to the ground. He's crying because he's terrified. And this is where Jer Dandridge lets him know that he can spare him from this life of being tormented and teased and taunted and called. Yeah, absolutely. With him. Just That's, take my hand. Yeah, he's annoying. And yeah, he's obnoxious. And yeah, like... As an actor, he made some weird choices and he's possibly on the spectrum, but like people are fucking with him constantly. His best friend is horrible to him and has a fine word for him. Everyone calls him evil. He doesn't get attacked. He actually goes willingly. To me, it's the moment where 
evil. Yeah, he's annoying and all these things, but he's just a kid that is being picked on and he's a kid that's like beat up. He says it to him. He's like, you, no one's going to beat you up. Mind you, he's the only one who actually looks like a kid. Like we got the English teacher, that's a fair Marky point. Darcy, well, and that actually, is, yeah, actually, that actually is a so fair maybe point. my that's heart look. opened up a little bit. Definitely, you've gotten so soft since you've become a mom. But so, anyway, the second evil becomes a vampire. He goes to Peter Vincent's, and he straight up says to him, "You know what? I used to admire you, but you're a fraud." And actually, nothing really happens during the scene except that he gets a cross burned on his head, and he gets really, really mad. Um, we see his vampire teeth that have like five vampire teeth, but then the next shot, he suddenly has seven, 75, I guess, yeah. vampire teeth. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, like, it's almost like- The angrier he gets, he sprouts. Every time he gets more angry, he sprouts another tooth. And then there's again, another amazing line. He's like, you know, master is going to kill you, but not fast. Slowly. slowly. So slowly. <laughs> I'm telling you, that was hilarious. The iconic. That was hilarious. Charlie and Amy are in the club trying to call the police. And from across the club, we see Jerry Dandridge, after having apparently made a stop at Coat Check, um, because he is now without his amazing leather trench coat and red scarf in its stead is ooh, Chris Sarandon can get it. He is wearing this boat neck dolman sleeve sweater and he is working that dolman sleeve. He, he's working real, it. That's real good. Chris Sarandon makes his way across the dance floor and girls just reach out and start stroking him <laughs> as he's walking across the dance floor. Like he's I would have done that. Anyway, he manages to make his way all the way to Amy while now Charlie is on the phone trying to contact Peter Vincent. Jerry Dandridge charms Amy on Glamours her. Glamours her Glamours onto her. the dance floor. And she's initially wearing her green shirt and her purple skirt and this like disgusting plaid jacket over it. They step out onto the dance floor. The plaid jacket is gone suddenly. Her whole outfit is a lot more fitted and she's got this dazed look. He walks up behind her, wraps his arms around her once again, presses his fucking vampire dick up against the back of her, and they just start fucking <laughs> swaying back and forth. And I am freaking out. I'm freaking out, and I'm doing voice-to-text notes, and they sound like this. Okay, so now this shit begins. Holy fuck. Holy fuck. Holy fuck, the dancing. Holy fuck, the gift that keeps on giving. I'm not sure where to start. I'm not, what, hey, I'm halfway through it. I don't think I've ever cringed so hard. I'm screaming, fuck, fuck, fuck. I have to watch this again. Fuck, okay, <laughs> fuck. Okay, so he's charmed her to the dance floor, comes up behind her, creepily starts grinding on her after wrapping his arms around her. I'm instantly disgusting. He looks like her dad. This is so gross. Ew, did he just try to finger bang her on the dance floor and then throw her down on the ground? Oh look, she's feeling so embarrassed again, like she's been used in some weird way. But now she's standing up. And now she looks like Pat Benatar. Her hair's all feathered out and those weird little banana clips are gone and her makeup's extra crazy. And now she's taking control of the dance and opening the neckline of her shirt. Wait, 
what the fuck is that weird alien finger touch thing they just did? Fuck, I have to watch this again. I'm so upset I have to watch this again. Oh, and then of course, Charlie comes in and tries to break it up and now he's gonna crush his little hand. Oh my God, I'm so traumatized. <laughs> you should do that for like a monologue challenge. You win like an award. Well, I'll tell you, like, that's the weird thing about Chris Sarandon is, like, I was super attracted to him. I think he's super sexy in this scene, particularly. Not when he dances with her, but, like, when he is walking but it's, up I to know, her. but it's so much more of that 80s rape culture vibe of forcible it sexual it attention, forcible sexual interaction. It's it so wrong. Is. It's 100%. It's so fucking wrong. The dance of the rubbing hands. Ends pretty abruptly. Of course, you know, Charlie comes to town. And then the there's the, probably the most problematic part yeah. in the whole movie. Yeah. The which most of course, problematic I did not clock at all when I was growing up. Yeah. But when I watched it now, it was, it's, yeah. it's, it's clear pretty, as day. It's pretty instantaneous. It's pretty instantaneous. Yeah. So Thursday. the bouncers show up. And of course, both of the bouncers are black men, right? And what happens next is just fucking wow especially since we've gone through so many movies now where we've not seen any black people and here we are in a horror film and everyone knows the joke if the black friend is in the horror film they're gonna die first because it was acceptable and has been acceptable and of course as we can see in society today the black body is disposable and the black body is rife for violent acts mm -hmm. so jerry dandridge who wants to give white Charlie a choice, who doesn't want to harm Amy or Charlie in public, is confronted and has his white way blocked by a black bouncer and without a thought, whips out his lady fingers and claws his neck open. Yep. And just tosses him like a rag doll across the room and he's just trash. He's just trash, just lands on a table like trash. And then the next bouncer, Leon, who is, of course, yet another kind of like stereotype of a black man, just a mountain of a black man, of course, Jerry Dandridge just picks up with one hand and strangles to death and kills and creates absolute chaos and havoc, an absolute stampede in this club. And it's fine because he's just killing some black dudes. No big fucking deal. Yeah, I mean, well, it's, it's not so much that it's no big deal, but it's like, why instantaneously he'll decide to kill these two black men. Instant, yeah. Instant instantaneously. Contempt, instant, instant just because, contempt, just because they're disregard. in the way. Yep. Just because they're in the way. Um, How dare they? Mm -hmm. And in public, in, in, in very obvious vampire ways, and yeah. where like the white neighbor, his mama wakes up and he's like, oh, can't kill him now. It's like, why, why? And, and this is what yeah. I was saying that we were going to refer to. Why doesn't he kill him immediately? He doesn't kill him immediately because he's white. I mean, that's all you can kind oh, of- Oh, that's what you meant. Yeah. That's yeah. all you can get from this is that yeah. like, for some reason- these His life matters more. His life is, is worth yeah. more, matters more. He's going to make, a, yeah. he's gonna make a, a, a thing about it versus these two guys who basically, you know, they're just doing their jobs at yeah. their place of work. Now, mind you, if he's this vicious vampire and he just kills everyone, then this scene would make sense, but he doesn't. He's a very thoughtful vampire, you know, who, you know, moved in and he's restoring a house and, and he, he like hires prostitutes to kill and right. things like that. Like he's 
but no, these two guys, yeah, let's just kill him. He yeah, doesn't just, even use them for food, you know? Nope. I mean? Yeah, not, exactly. Exactly. Doesn't even drain them. Doesn't even drain them. They're just disposable. It's really a problematic moment when you think about it in respect of the rest of the film and just how he constantly is not killing other people. Yeah. Who just but has no, no problem. No problem at this moment. Zero, zero yeah. compunctions, zero hesitation. Yeah. Very problematic, amazing. very upsetting, made me very, very angry. Yeah. But if we lose a, if we lose a listener for this, I don't care. Black Lives Matter. So no, they they go up. down the stairs. Yeah, Black Lives Matter. That's it. That's fucking all. So the stampede breaks out, and Charlie lets loose of Amy, who then gets thrown into the arms of Jerry Dandridge. As soon as they get out of the club, Billy Cole and Evil Ed are there with the jeep for him to toss her into and speed off with. And what happens next? Charlie goes. Um, to Peter Vincent, and we have the the scene where he's like, "You've got to help you." Oh, another me. one. And, that just and goes Peter on Vincent. Forever. God. <laughs> I'll tell you what bothers me about the scene is they go through this whole scene that he's a coward just so he can show up in the next scene, no longer a coward, without right. anything happening in between. So anyway, um, getting to the really nitty gritty part of it all is. Jerry's seduction of Amy. You mean his statutory rape? <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, yes. Yes. But yes. Well, we, can talk, well, we, can, we can give ourselves a breather between the dance floor yeah. and the actual um, study room floor where Amy is about to be deflowered by his lady fingers once again. The gown. <laughs> So the we're gown. in a debate about the gown. I like yeah. the gown. I, I think the gown was kind of kind of cool. You call it a gown. I call it a white dress. Like I'm not <laughs> sure whether or not I like this dress or not. Like I said, it's Grecian on the top, which I like a lot. But then it's got kind of a like a low hip thing going on, which and it, it's Grecian and Egyptian at the same time. I think yeah. you just nailed it. It's weird. It is. There's a lot. There's a whole melange of influences happening. No, like I feel like there's it too many for things me. going on. In the dress. There's too many things going on in this film. So I mean, it's just kind of, it's on brand. It's on brand. But so in this gown, Amy wakes up in the most unnatural way. She's like face down and like presses herself up through like a seductive cobra pose. Doesn't need to wipe her eyes or like the snot out of her like nose or her mouth. Oh, no, or no, she's been glamoured. So now he comes down, he's, he's shirt, he's got his shirt open and he seductively makes his way over to her on the rug where he then basically finger bangs her. It looks like he pops yeah. his cherry with his lady fingers. Yeah. Well, um, something and, happens. Something, something happens. happens. I mean, I and don't it, think his dick is that long. It doesn't make, because he like hugs her and like her body like shoots up towards the ceiling and you have to imagine. Maybe it is. Going. Maybe it is. Maybe vampires have larger oh, like, I don't know. But either way, it happened very quick. Maybe it has wings. It happened. Oh my God. It's a fucking other R-A-U-S. But so, so she's, um, so then, so then she like apologizes. She gives him this like apology where it's like, well, I, uh, and you know, she's a, a, apparently like, copping to being a virgin, a virgin, at which point he like puts his fingers over her lips and he's like, no, 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 don't apologize. I'm watching this scene with the same kind of horror that I had when I understood what was happening in the last tango in Paris. Like, this is statutory rape. Someone call the FBI. This is very uncomfortable, except for the fact that Marcy Darcy is actually 27 years old. And he so, doesn't bite her neck. He bites her shoulder, which yeah. really bothers me. And corn syrup rains down, but doesn't get on her dress. Yes. 
Oh, no, no, no. Because they only could afford one dress for this right. movie. Don't fuck the dress up. And don't, don't fuck the yeah. dress up. Don't fuck the dress up. So, from, so she's left on the floor to slowly start turning. Meanwhile, Peter Vincent nuts up, decides yeah. to go ahead and help Charlie go over to the house. And the door opens up for them. And That's then they right. walk in. And the first thing that happens when they walk in is basically Jerry Dandridge walks across the veranda on the top <laughs> of the stairs. Makes his um, grand entrance. Makes his grand entrance. And rolling his R's says, Welcome to Fright Night. But for real, though. That's but how he real, says it. Though. Real, though. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's very funny. His overacting is, it's notable. He should get an award. Like when right? we do our Academy Awards, the Eating After Midnight Academy Awards, um, oh, we'll have the overacting award and he's definitely nominated. It's, it's him versus Ariel. Yeah, because you know? he really, ooh, Whoever wins. Ooh, ooh, because he really, he really turns the dial up on the overacting right here where yes. they try to fend him off with a cross. And of course, yes. Peter Vincent no, doesn't have the faith quite yet, but- Charlie does, and he moans backward, at which point his boyfriend, John Nightcock, Billy Cole, comes down the steps and is like, my man's though, and clocks the fuck out of Charlie, like knocks him over the railing, and then they just let Peter Vincent get away. They scoop up Charlie and dump him in the room because now... Jerry Dandridge isn't just a vampire. He's like a sinister, sick weirdo who's going to dump Peter in the room so that he can be eaten by his own girlfriend. And he goes back downstairs to proceed to just keep doing housework with his boyfriend. <laughs> point, At which point, Peter Vincent, Vincent just runs, runs into Charlie's house because he's, he's never been there before. He's never, never met his been mom there before, before, but he's like, he, he wants to get it for his mom. He's like, this, this is, is Brewster. Brewster. This, this is Brewster. Brewster. Yeah, just runs in there because the door is unlocked and runs upstairs where he finds <laughs> Mrs. Brewster, otherwise known as Raggedy Ann. <laughs> Raggedy Ann's asleep in the bed and he goes to wake her up. And we discover that Raggedy Ann is actually evil. evil Ed, looking extra evil now. He's now got 55 more teeth. He's it is extra, amazing. It is amazing. extra creepy, weird looking. I don't know if his eyes are yellow or red at this point. Like, it's just it all, who knows? We're on the fourth or fifth iteration of Evil Ed's face, which is, again, where he, he does the, the iconic note pulling out of the pocket. She's working nights, but she's left a note. Dinner is in the oven. And he just like monster arms at Peter Vincent, who then like throws his hands up and goes running down the hallway, trips, falls over a coffee table because everyone keeps a coffee table in their upstairs hallway. Um, trips over the coffee table in the upstairs hallway in front of the railing. Conveniently, one of the legs break and is right next to his hands where then Ed turns into a wolf and starts running down the hallway for Peter Vincent, who then skewers him with the fucking um, table leg as Ed tries to pounce upon him, flings him over the railing, and then this is awesome. I will give it to you here. This part <laughs> is fucking awesome. 
Ed the wolf vamp is still a wolf lying on the floor and he's like writhing and trying to pull himself away underneath. Like he's just trying to get, like, and like by drag the way, himself away to die, right? By the way, that is a man in a wolf suit. And really? Yeah, that's how they did the scene. Why this is probably in one of the great last horror films is because there is no CGI. Everything is done with corn syrup and food dye and men in suits and- The practical and- effects of Evil Ed's death from his reversal as a wolf to a half wolf man to a wolf boy to a boy with a weird vampire wolf face back to a boy all the way to the burnt cross in his forehead disappearing and while he's like reaching out almost calling mama 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 over and over again yeah that solid yeah, solid. It's solid. Absolutely it's so solid. gory and gorgeous, and I love it. So well done. Probably one of the more dramatic vampire deaths I think I've ever seen in a movie. And then he pulls the stake out of Ed's chest to go back next door to Jerry Dandridge's place, which is now steaming. And he can hear Charlie whimpering from downstairs, finds his way upstairs. He says, I'm going to break the door open, but really, like, he just, like, nudges it open with his shoulder they see that she is turning um we forgot we forgot charlie's like dramatic no when he saw that that you know why because charlie's boring after a certain point like maybe the first half of the movie it's charlie pushing the action but after a certain point it's just about evil and it's about what amy's gonna look like and right when peter vincent has his moments and so this is where i feel like we actually get some appropriate time-specific stakes, not just like, I'm a vampire and I'm gonna come fuck you up. Maybe tomorrow, I'm gonna fuck you up. What are you doing next Tuesday? Yeah, now we've got some, exactly, next Tuesday, you better watch out when you go to Costco. Like, right now, it's clear. It's like, we need to murk this fool before dawn in order to get her back to her human form. So they're, they're irking away and they run into Billy on the stairs. Mm-hmm. And then, and this is Billy's death. First, they shoot him in the head, and he goes yeah. down. Here we go. What the fuck is this dude? Because he gets up like a golem and starts following them up the stairs. And then they turn around. Peter Vincent proceeds to, a la any fucking gun movie from the eighties, unload like thirty rounds, <laughs> like thirty rounds into this dude, or, or he, four, or no, like thirty. He lo- he unloads like thirty rounds into this dude, yeah. and of course, this is why I'm like, he's a porn star. John Nightcock stays up because he just keeps fucking yeah. shooting him, and then what finally gets him to to dissolve into goo he stakes him him. yeah he stakes him in the heart so but he's not a vampire because then he disintegrates a la raiders of the lost ark he half turns to dust and then it's you can't do that on television there's always a question what is billy and i think you've already said it i think he's a golem i think he that jerry made him to protect him and for sexual flavors which we missed the the one moment and I think it happened earlier is when- They're like snuggling? When they snuggle. Uh-huh. When he hits Charlie, then- And he goes, and, and Peter Vincent goes running out the door. Yeah, they like, they like cuddle. They cuddle. They have a they little cuddle. cuddle. He comes up behind him and he's like, yeah. thanks babe. Gives how, the fuck, how the fuck is Chris Sarandon trying to infuse this story with ancient loves from lives past long ago and bat eating apple bullshit, but can't pick up on the fact that he's boning his roommate. Yeah, That's he's a little obtuse. Anyway. anyway, 
any anyway hizzy, it's a good day it's a good so now, so now they're chasing boring. right is at this point now they're chasing jerry all over the house because like he went up to the up to the roof or something and they're trying to find him and then all of a sudden he's, he's in the well, window first and, we have to go back to amy who now oh, yeah. has long hair and long strawberry lights. blonde hair yeah <laughs> and and she's now not full vampire. Well, here's the thing. She is full vampire, but we'll learn later that she even has another level of vampire, which is pretty fucking amazing. She's uh-huh. basically got like a shark mouth vampire. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and it's the fight with Jerry and it's all over the place. Yeah. The, the crucifixes come out. Oh, but wait, but wait. At the point where he gets his chips down comes the line where I really wish I had seen this as a kid so that I could have used this on you when we were roommates. Oh, God. He is outside hovering and she is in the process of turning, but he realizes that now Billy Cole has been, you know, dispensed with the, he's going to need some backup. So he's trying to expedite the turning process of Amy and he's outside hovering going, Amy, I command you to wake Amy. <laughs> Show me how much you love me, Amy. I would have woken you up like that every day that we were roommates if I had seen this movie. See, your name's Sasha. So that's not a very common name in the movies in the 80s. Whereas Amy, like, always in movies. And whenever it was in a movie, remember it was in Footloose, you know? Amy, you're so lame. And then this one, (laughs) like, there's that. And then later, there's another one that he's just, when he's dying and he goes like, Amy! And I just, every time I hear it, I feel like, is that what my name sounds like? Like, is my name really <laughs> sound that ridiculous? Yeah, so there's, he's trying to summon her to get the fuck up and she's, she's, she's on her feet now. And they're like, oh shit, lock her up, lock her up because she's going to come and eat us too. And then he busts through the window and now the makeup for him, he's, we're now on the seventh or eighth iteration of Jerry's face. He now has a massive underbite. His skin is purple. He's got 18 more teeth. He also looks like he shrank. Yeah. Choices were made. Choices some of were them, made. Some of them were very unfortunate. And his makeup Choices in that scene is, is one of them. Horrible. So they, they whip out their crosses. And at first he's like, ooh. And he's like, no, you don't have the faith. And then here comes... And then he gets the faith back, back, I say. And it's just before dawn. All the fucking clocks go off. He's like, oh, 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 oh. he yes. just keeps making yes. that noise over yes. and over again. Yes. And he transforms into what, what looks like a shadow on the wall is a bat. As he swoops down, we think he's a bat, but he lands on top of Peter Vincent and we realize he's not a bat. He's actually an R-O-U-S with wings. He's fucking massive. And he's got like huge ass nasty fangs. And it's just like being in the fire swamp again because as this thing is attacking Peter Vincent, there's Charlie. He's just hanging off on the sidelines watching this thing. It takes him like a good 45 seconds to a minute to like step in and try to help. And when he does, of course, the thing, the thing claws Peter Vincent in the face and then there's immediately no, no claw marks. Then it bites Peter, but of course, Peter doesn't turn into a vampire. Nothing happens to him. No blood, bloodless crime. The fucking bat takes off, fucking bat takes off, and then they've got to go and chase it again, right? Yeah, so it, it, it flies off to go into the basement. Into his, to go to his coffin, Yes, yeah, to go to his coffin. Because the, so the they, they ch- Yeah, they chase him downstairs because they got to fucking kill him, and while they're trying to, like, find the coffin in the basement, Amy wanders down the stairs. Her hair is six inches longer, and now she is a woman. 
full-bodied and sensual. And she is just fucking laying it on so thick. What's the matter, Charlie? Hands in the hair up above the head. You don't want me now. And she's just got like, I feel like she's wearing fake boobs because those don't look like the boobs that she had at the beginning of the movie. She's coming on vamp strong. And as she's doing so, Peter Vincent is, he's found the coffin, but it's locked from the inside. And as he's trying to whittle away at the locks and get inside, Amy goes full fucking vamp. And this is the grossest vamp face yet. It's literally from the bridge of her nose down is mouth. All it might mouth. be the grossest vampire it's face pretty gross. of any it's gross. film. She doesn't ever. actually even look like a vampire. She looks like one of the killer clowns from outer space. I love it. I, I think clown. it's amazing makeup. And, and you know, they it's like to make this movie worthwhile, they needed to push the envelope and they pushed it right out of the fucking window, didn't they? They really I did. Um, and just like I would do, once Peter Vincent cracks open that coffin, just like <laughs> I would do, there's Jerry Dandridge sleeping in that coat because that coat is too fresh. Why would you ever want to take it off? He's <laughs> in the fucking coat. And of course he wakes up as Charlie and Amy are in a tussle, and Peter Vincent then jams a stake through him, but that doesn't do it. He manages to jump out of the coffin. But it's that vampire. Oh yeah, he pops he, straight up. Where he comes straight up without bending. It's, it's, it's like- amazing. Um, but they did, but like in Bram Stoker's Dracula, they do that too. That's like a big. It's amazing, like the classic you know, whoop, straight yeah. up out of the coffin. The Dracula straight up out of the coffin. No, um, it doesn't work. And I, I think it's like this happens a lot too. Like you stake the vampire, but it doesn't work. And I think it has something to do with like if you're super powerful, that won't work. But sunlight always kills a vampire, right? No matter without what. fail, because they're a creature yeah. of the night. Creature of, of the, the night. night. And they're starting to break windows to bring more and more light into the space, but it's not, it's not affecting Amy at all. And they finally break through that last window. He, they throw themselves on top of Amy to shield her. Yeah. And the sunlight burns up Jerry Dandridge. Amy! That's the and one, like, Amy. And he looks like a, his face, like the, the, the effects here is weird. He kind of looks like a shrinky dink, like he goes flat. And like stretches and then shrinks and then all the skin comes off of his body. Yeah, then- it's actually not very memorable. Like when you think no. of, of evil and, and Billy, yeah. their deaths then, are amazing, but his death is And then Amy's like, fine. Her hair is now short and brown. Yes. Then. She's back to herself. Yeah, like, exactly. Nothing. Exactly. She's, she's bounced back. Exactly. Better than ever. Exactly. Um, and then it's over. Everyone's hugging. Everyone's happy. It goes dark we end where we begin they're back in his room but they're making out on the bed now because who gives a fuck if we make some fucking noise we almost died and they there's a like a cheesy moment there with um peter vincent he's gone back he's gone back to fright night but now he does alien movies he's he's done with vampires he's done with vampires for a minute we're just gonna give it a little break and then they make out it fades to black. Oh, but this is not before Charlie gets up because he's sure he sees some red eyes from across the yeah. way. And Amy's like, is something wrong? Is something wrong, Charlie? No, everything's just fine. Fade to black. And then we come back to Ed's voice. Yeah. We know Ed is dead. Oh, Brewster, you're so cool. And Fright Night. Oh Fright my God. Night. So can I tell you, this is what I didn't do. 
I did not listen to the theme song. I just couldn't. Oh do no, it. I shut that shit off. I, I needed it to do it. Over. I, I needed it to the end. I listened yeah. to joysticks, and that's all I could do. The end is a little. To be fair, it's a little. But I will never argue with you on how or why this is a classic '80s horror film. So I good. totally get it. You can't have Halloween without Fright Night. And and good on you. You chose good Halloween movies for me to be able and willing to watch because there's no fucking fucking way I was going to be doing like Friday the 13th or some shit. Uh -uh. I thought this one would spook you out a little bit, but it is a campy, campy, camp fest. And it's amazing. All right. So there we we have it. There's There's our Halloween extravaganza. On a transatlantic flight, if I had a choice between Liam Neeson movie, Fright Night, and I don't know, Freaky Friday. Oh God, I'd watch Fright Night. I would watch Fright Night simply because it's an hour and fucking 46 minutes long and would take up a nice chunk of the flight. (laughs) I guess I didn't even notice it was that long. But anyway, yeah, Fright Night, awesome. Great Halloween movie, watch it every year, if you dare. I don't know if I've got anything else to say. In that case, Amy, (laughs) I command you to do the outro of the episode, Amy. So thank you all so very much for listening to our latest episode of Eating After Midnight. If you liked what you heard, please pop over to iTunes or whatever platform you listen to us on and leave us some stars and a review. We'd also make our day if you could follow us on Instagram at Eating After Midnight Podcast. And if you've got the time, DM us with any comments, questions, complaints, or requests. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, you're so 